my dinner. But before I had finished eating, Margaret's neighbour, Nick Brimble, had appeared. And invariably the conversation, as sooner or later it always seemed to do nowadays, came round to the mysterious circumstances of the Duke of Clarence's execution in February. The previous summer, after years of being a thorn in his brother's side, after twice betraying the king and then being restored to favour, After accusing the Queen's family of witchcraft and raising armed rebellion, George, Duke of Clarence, had suddenly found himself arrested and clapped in the Tower of London by a sovereign and brother whose patience had finally run out. Even then, neither he nor anyone else had really believed that King Edward intended anything more than to give brother George the fright of his life. But in January, Clarence had been brought to trial on a charge of high treason and condemned to death. Again, no one had thought that the sentence would be carried out. A reprieve would surely be granted. But in February, rumours spread throughout the kingdom that George of Clarence had indeed been executed. By now, this fact seemed indisputable, but a question mark hung over the manner of his death. The only rumour to escape the walls of the tower was that he had been drowned in a butt of Malmsey wine, a death so bizarre as to provide a topic of endless speculation in every alehouse up and down the land, and which was still being discussed six months later. After Nick Brimble quit the cottage, Adela began feeding Adam, and it was then that she made the remark that opened this history. "'What four words, my love?' I asked with wide-eyed innocence. "'You know very well what four words,' she answered tartly. But of Malmsey wine. The subject is becoming tedious, Roger. I know that you feel a personal involvement, but George of Clarence is dead. How he died doesn't matter. Margaret ladled more rabbit stew onto my plate, pursing her lips as she did so. I knew what was coming. If I'd realised that you were pregnant, Adela, my girl, I'd never have agreed to look after the children while you and that husband of yours gallivanted off to London. But I blame you most, Roger. You knew she was expecting. Not only did you let her bully you into jaunting around the countryside in the middle of winter, but when you got to London, you tamely allowed yourself to be inveigled into another risky undertaking for the Duke of Gloucester. And to cap it all, you sent her home, all the way to Bristol, with only Jack Nim for company, while you stayed behind to dance attendance on his grace. She pursed her lips in high displeasure. I'll his grace him if ever I get the chance. I'd like to give Prince Richard a piece of my mind. I shuddered at the thought. I had already had a piece of Margaret's mind. A very long piece that had stretched on and off from last February until the present day. I looked in mute appeal at Adela. My wife gently lifted our son from one breast and put him to the other. I may say that he was not an edifying sight, slobbering with milk running down his chin. He reminded me of someone, and I surreptitiously wiped my mouth clean of gravy. She took a few moments to settle him comfortably, leaving me at the mercy of Margaret's acid tongue for a while longer, before taking pity on me and changing the subject. Margaret, in less than a fortnight it'll be Lammastide. Do you need any help baking your bread? It was a generous gesture, 
knowing as she did that such an offer would divert Margaret's anger towards herself. And how, demanded my former mother-in-law scathingly, do you propose helping me with three children to see to and your own bread to bake? It's much more likely that I shall have to give you a hand. I've decided Adela will go to Master Overbeck's and have him bake our bread this year, I said, to my own astonishment as well as that of my wife. The idea had only just occurred to me that I had a little money put by and could afford the extravagance. As well as having had a fairly lucrative summer so far, hawking my wares around Bristol and the surrounding countryside, I had also received, by royal messenger, a gift of two gold pieces from the Duke of Gloucester for all my efforts on his behalf the previous January. I had said nothing to anyone about this, hiding the money away in the secret place under our cottage floor. Just knowing that the